Well, good morning. My name is Mark Scop, and I lead our college and young adult ministry here at Calvary Church. And uh, we meet every Tuesday night with 18 to 30-year-olds, college and career, um, to get into God's word and to kind of worship together, to be in community together, to have fellowship, but also to hear from God. And so uh, this morning, I had the opportunity to open up God's word with all of you. Um, and if you're new in this place, I want you to feel comfortable here. I want you to feel welcome here. Uh, this morning, you have a Bible in your row. Hopefully you can grab that out. We're gonna open that up a little bit later. Um, but we are also gonna be kind of talking through this series that we've been in, in the book of Matthew. And Matthew is a gospel of Jesus Christ and is basically someone who wrote everything down that they saw as they walked with Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna be exploring some of that this morning. We are in Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, and last week, Pastor Jim was in Matthew chapter 13 as well and talked through some of the parables in there. And so we're going to be looking at a few of the parables surrounding that. But uh, to give us a little context, what he talked about was he talked about two different things growing in weeds and wheat, right? Nobody really tries to grow weeds. Uh, everybody tries to grow something fruitful like wheat. And so he talked a little bit about that and ultimately that there are weeds among the church that we see sometimes as people that, man, they, they might be trying to choke out the weeds or the wheat. And so as, we, as it kind of chokes out the weeds, sometimes we think in our mind, well, God, why don't you just come in and eradicate all the weeds, get them out of there? And two things that we took away from last week, the first being this. It's because sometimes those weeds will turn into wheat. And we don't have the power to understand and fully know when that is. And so we pray and we look to God to do that growth and to press in with those people. The second reason that I kind of took away was this, is that, that wheat sometimes goes through the struggle of poking through the weeds. And on the other end, it's often stronger. And many times we in the church need to persevere. We need to be tested in and pressed through to see what God is doing in our lives. And so with all of that in mind, this, this morning, we are actually gonna be in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 31 through 35 on page 794. And in that, we're gonna be talking about growth as well. It's kind of from a different angle and a different perspective, but we're gonna be talking about growth in such a way as to how do we see God use growth and how do we take part in that growth and what is our role in that growth? All right, so we're gonna open up the word together and let me read for us Matthew chapter 13, 31 through 35, and then we'll skip down to 44 through 46. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it works all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Now skip down a couple paragraphs to verse 44. 
The kingdom of heaven is like, tre- uh, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So this morning, as we look at these parables, as we look at this text, there's kind of a main idea that I want us to take away as we try to connect these two, par- these two sets of parables. And it's this, growing God's way will cost you everything you have and it will still be worth it. Growing God's way will cost you everything you have and it will still be worth it. And I want you to hear that last line, particularly because really I think sometimes we admit, man, this might cost me everything, but I don't always think we see the value that it will be worth it. That there's a surpassing value hidden at the end in that treasure. And so as we take a look at that this morning, I want us to understand from these first two parables and see the idea that something small can become something so many times larger than what it started as. This is fascinating truth about what Jesus is trying to get at here, right? And so the first point is this, growth is the process of a lifetime. Growth is a process of a lifetime. And I wanna kind of demonstrate that a little bit real quick here. So I brought a potted plant or well, just a pot pot of of soil and I've got my watering can here uh, and I brought some seeds. Uh, There's just a couple in here. And so I'm just gonna grab out um, one of those seeds. I'm gonna put it in the dirt. I'm gonna kind of cover it up, cover that up good. All right. And then I'm going to water it. So let's show you the water. Yep, there it is. All right. Let's give a good amount of water. Yeah, there we go. All right, so I've got my seed in there. I've got it watered. It's kind of soaking into the soil. <clears throat> right, any second now. <laughs> Here, let's, let's clear these things off. Let's just give it a minute, you know. Um, should be fine. So if we, if we just kind of, you know, <clears throat> this is a little embarrassing. I thought this was gonna you know, kind of come up a little bit faster. <clears throat> well, so here, here, here's the thing. I, they talk, you talk to plants, right? Like, come on, you can do this. Just open on up, accept that water, take the nourishment from the dirt. All, that's all you gotta do, just kind of let yourself grow. Just, just really focus in. Kind of, you, I think you can do it. All right, um, this isn't working how I thought it was gonna work. Uh, well, hold on a second. Oh, man. Did anybody really think it was gonna grow? <laughs> of course not, right? You don't put a seed in the dirt, water it a little bit, and then be like, boom, done, growth. Why do we expect our lives to grow like that, Right? Sometimes we really expect God to do that kind of growth in our lives. And when he doesn't do that kind of growth in our lives, man, it starts to really throw us. Like God, uh, like I've been praying about this for at least five minutes now. Like you haven't done anything yet. Like, are you gonna hold up your end of the deal? Right, like God, I was like, I, I was really waiting for something to happen here, but like, I don't got all day, right? 
But let's be real, if, if I leave that seed there, even with water and, and maybe even I come back tomorrow and water it again, like I'm probably not gonna have any growth in a day. I might not even have any growth in a week. You know, like it might be just starting to sprout in a, in a couple of, like in a month. I don't, like, here's the thing. It's an apple seed. I don't think it might, it's gonna grow at all. <clears throat> I tried many times as a kid to plant an apple tree. It never came. But here's the reality is sometimes we, we take the, the things that are necessary and we say, well, I did the formula, God. I put it all together. Why aren't you doing your end of the job? Or we say like, well, maybe I need to do more in order to make this happen. And so I need to you know, really get my kind of my, my plan straight and make sure that I can get this thing done here. But that's not how it works. We don't plant seeds and expect them to grow in minutes. Why do we expect the Lord to work on us in minutes when he's given us a lifetime? When he said, man, I want to grow you. I want to mold you. I want to mature you, but I'm gonna do it on my time. I'm gonna do it my way because I'm the creator. I'm the one who made you. I know what's good for you. I know what you need in order to actually grow. I know what you need to not just kind of sprout a little bit and die. I know what's gonna feed you over a lifetime. And Jesus gives us this parable of a mustard seed. And, and I'll be honest, sometimes it's a little bit confusing to me, right? And so I, I, you know, I start to look at this and I'm like, man, it's the smallest of seeds. It grows up into a tree for a bird. Like, what is Jesus trying to get at here, right? And so I kind of start to pick it apart. Is the mustard seed really the smallest? Like, and then I think like, is a mustard plant, is it a plant or is it a tree? Like, can birds really nest in it? But isn't that what we do when we're not growing according to our schedule? We start to pick apart the plan, right? We start to pick apart the message and we start to say, God, are you really holding up your end of the deal? Or, or why aren't you going faster? Or why aren't you on my schedule? When really, I'll be honest with you, this, this uh, whole parable isn't about mustard seeds. <laughs> it's not about how fast it grows. It's about people, right? It's about you and me. And so sometimes we get caught up in the, in the thick of it and we try to explain it away. And when we cannot explain it away, we get impatient and we start to question the minute we can't explain everything around us. And, and that's where we start to lose growth instead of lean into growth. Here's the thing, growth is a process of a lifetime and he's not really concerned with the growth of a mustard seed. He's concerned with the growth of his people. And so as Jesus gives us this parable, really what we're talking about in context is as he's with his disciples, think about it just for a minute. Think about you being one of the 12 disciples. And really, if we took that, it might be like maybe these kind of first two rows here. Now, if you're in the first two rows here and you think about everybody else around you does not believe what you believe, is it a little bit awkward for you in the first two rows? Are you starting to feel the pressure a little bit of like, man, these people don't believe what I believe and it's kind of pressing in a little bit. And Jesus is talking about this like grand kingdom that he has. And he's talking about how we're gonna grow from like this seed into this big plant. And I, like, man, Jesus, you're gonna have to show us some stuff here. 
You start to question the value and the worth of Jesus' words. And Jesus the whole time is sitting here saying like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of this, don't you worry. I'm not gonna leave it all to you. I'm gonna show you what it is to, to grow. And so I think ultimately Jesus is, is reminding them in this, in this moment that something very small, like a tiny seed, can grow into something very, very large. And what he's doing is he's planting this tiny seed of the disciples and he's saying, I am going to grow you into something very, very large that's gonna spread over continents. It's gonna go into different nations. It's gonna be this, this thing around the globe that they do not see at this moment. But God has plans for the seed. The interesting thing about seeds though that I was thinking about as I was processing through all this is do you know where seeds don't grow? In a bag of other seeds. Isn't that kind of weird? Right? When you go to the store and you buy a bag of like flower seeds or plants or whatever, like you get the bag off the shelf and you like, you never open it up and you're like, oh, plants, right? Like you open it up and you're just like, yep, seeds. Do you know where seeds actually grow? when they're poured into the dirt and when they're given water and when they're given sunlight. And so what we need to understand is that we can't grow on our own. We have to be plugged into the source in order to actually grow. And the source here that we're talking about is Christ Jesus. We have to be plugged into the source or else there will be no growth. And I know that sometimes Jesus doesn't give us the growth that we want in that moment at the, at the time and the speed that we want it. But here's the thing. He knows much better than we do. He knows much better than we do of what we need in that growth. We talked a little bit about mustard seeds being the smallest seed. And I think sometimes I look at that and I think, you know what? I think the Pharisees would have picked out those kind of details out of the story. They would have been so concerned with, well, I think I've seen smaller seeds than a mustard seed. Does this guy even know what he's talking about? And, and Jesus is like, man, you guys aren't really getting it, but I, I'm speaking in parables for a reason here. And they're like, yeah, uh, I mean, mustard seed, like growing to a tree, I don't know about this. But just so that we don't get caught up in that, in this time, in this place, about 2,000 years ago, in this region, and even still today, there are mustard seeds that are small, small, tiny seeds that actually do grow up into a tree of about 13 to 15 feet tall that have branches that could so support a bird's nest. And it's interesting to think about this as we think about what it means for God to take us from a tiny little seed into this big, huge, thriving plant. I think sometimes we need to remember that Jesus is speaking to the disciples again in that moment where they're wrestling. Jesus, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about here when you're talking about a whole kingdom full of people. Like we're wrestling to, to go deeper than 12 here. It says, you say some hard things and people leave. How is this kingdom gonna grow? And Jesus is reminding them over and over again, plug in to the growth plug in to the founder, to the creator. I will grow you. I will cause the growth. So why then do I say it will cost you everything? 
as we connect this. Why do we say that this is gonna cost you everything? Because it will cost you giving your life over to Jesus and letting him grow you, right? As we think about this, as we think through this process of growth of a lifetime, it's gonna cost me everything and it's gonna be worth it. What do I have to do? Well, I have to trust that Jesus has enough to actually grow me, that he knows what he's doing, that he is the one that's able to accomplish his purpose. And so point number two is this, Jesus will build up his church. Jesus will build up his church. Right? I think sometimes we forget that when Jesus says to Peter, on you, I will build my church. He says, on you, I will build my church. He's saying, Peter, you don't have to do it all. I'm gonna use you as a catalyst. I'm gonna use you to preach the gospel. I'm gonna use you to go out to the nations, but I will be responsible for building and growing my church. Here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. If it was up to Peter, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that we're sitting here today. Because think about it, we've, we've got a few thousand people over a couple of services just at Calvary Church this morning. How about we spread that out to, to Grand Rapids, to gospel-believing churches around Grand Rapids this morning. How many thousands of people are here in this time, in this space and time of history? Why? Because God is responsible for growing his church and he will not fail. So that is why we are here today because Jesus will build up his church. If we look at the second parable for a second here, it says in the second parable of the yeast and the flour that we're taking on some major amounts of flour and some cooking here, right? 60 pounds of flour. Anybody cook with 60 pounds of flour lately? Probably not. Because actually, if you look at it, 60 pounds of flour is worth about 50 loaves of bread. You know, the interesting thing about this passage is it, it mentions the 60 pounds of flour, but it doesn't, it doesn't mention how much yeast is involved. He doesn't talk about the measure of yeast. All it says is that the yeast, when worked into the dough, time and time again, as you work into that 60 pounds of flour, what that yeast does is it spreads throughout the whole lump of dough. And it just says, as you work in that yeast, and again, if you don't know what yeast looks like, uh, I mean, really, my knowledge of it is that it comes in little baggies and it's this tiny little granular thing, right? And you put it in the mixture of dough and you work it in and you kind of let it set and it rises. But it's interesting how Jesus points out the fact that you put the yeast in, just this tiny little grain into 60 pounds of dough. It doesn't matter how much flour you have there. You work it in and it affects the whole lump of dough. So again, Jesus is pointing out the fact that it takes this tiny little bit of yeast or it takes this tiny little seed to do something huge. But it's at the responsibility of Jesus. I have a question for you real quick. How many of you in here would, would consider yourselves maybe a baker, right? Anybody a baker in here, right? A few people? Wow, nobody's a baker in here? <laughs> are y'all just scared to raise your hand? All right, bakers, anybody, bakers? All right, well, now I'm gonna pick on you because you waited so long. All right, <clears throat> got some bad news for you. You're not actually bakers. You're just glorified mixers, right? You put a bunch of ingredients into a pan or like a, a bowl or something. You mix it up. You maybe knead it in a little bit. But then uh, what do you do? How does it actually get baked in the oven, right? 
So really all your job is to do is to put a bunch of ingredients into a bowl, mix it around, you know, maybe put it in a pan or something and then put it in the oven where the actual baking is done. Have you ever thought about that? There's not one single baker out there that's actually ever turned a lump of dough into bread. It's the oven that's done the work. It's the heat, right? Because if I, as a baker, take that lump of dough and just try to like, like, I'm gonna come with a nasty piece of bread for you, right? Nobody wants to eat that. That's just a raw lump of dough. But what I have to do is I have to take it, I have to put it in the oven. And what happens is this magnificent process of all these things filtering together, melting together. And what we get is this beautiful loaf of bread on the other side. You know what? Sometimes I think we read these passages and we think to ourselves, well, Yeah, I'm the farmer who plants the seed and we see something grow or I'm the baker who takes the yeast and I put it in. You know what our role is in this, these passages? Seed. You know what our role is? Yeast. Like we play a very minimal role actually. I think sometimes we want to play this bigger role. We want to play this major role, but the reality is all we are is that seed. And until God steps in and actually causes us to grow, we are nothing. We're just a seed. It's not until we're actually plugged into the the dirt and the water and the nutrients of the sun and the nutrients coming out of the dirt that there's actually something gonna grow out of this and it's gonna sprout out because God is the one causing the growth, not us. Our job is, is to be the mixture of disciples that God has put forth to do his will and to follow his calling. It's not our job to cause the growth. And here's the thing. We need to leave the growing up to the creator God who alone can call us to grow in his time and for his purpose. But there's a cost. There's a cost. And you say, well, how is there a cost of just being a seed? Well, because sometimes we as seeds think that we're the grower. And so there is a cost. And really what it costs us is our pride. It costs us our pride to say that, man, I can't actually do this on my own. There's nothing that I can do or muster up enough to cause healthy growth that is sustainable, that will last. The cost will be jealousy, right? The cost will be jealousy when I see other people maybe growing at a different rate than I am that I don't look at them and say, well, why am I not growing the way that they're growing? And why am I not seeing what's happening in my life the way they're seeing what's happening in their life? The cost is selfishness. At times, it's just that we're selfish and we want to see our own things grow faster than everybody else around us. Or we want to, we want to see the, the work of our hands become something more spectacular than anybody else's. And the final cost is control. When you're a seed, you don't have any control. You don't have any control at all. You can't be caused to grow without the dirt and without the water and without the sunlight and without the nutrients. Yeast sitting in a bag of yeast, it's just yeast. It's not until it's put into the flour, worked into the dough, that it becomes something of value. 
the cost is great. Growing God's way will cost you everything you have and it will still be worth it. Why? Because the equation to serve Jesus means that you bring your heart and that Jesus brings everything else. All you have to do in order to be grown by Jesus is to bring a willing heart with open hands and say, God, would you grow me? Would you do something spectacular in my life that I'm not able to do on my own? I want you to show me your will and your power because I wanna have purpose in this world. Just sitting in a bag of other seeds is not giving me the purpose that I yearn for. I want to sprout up. I want to be used by you. So it is this, point three, growth will cost you. The last two parables we read about here, the treasure in the field and the pearl of great value, they have the same meaning, right? They ultimately have the same meaning as we look at these two parables side by side. And, and as we look at them, what we see here is that the treasure and the pearl of great value have surpassing worth. There's nothing that we have in this world that is more valuable than these two things. And the only thing that this could mean is that this treasure and the pearl that they're talking about is Christ Jesus. It's Christ Jesus. There's not one other thing in all of time, in all of history that you will find that will have greater value than Christ Jesus. And the thing is, and the reason is this. If I asked any one of you, could you bring up a treasure right now? Could you just lay it at the altar? I'm, I'm actually kind of curious. If you could bring me a treasure to the altar right now that would last for all of eternity. Do you have like maybe like a platinum card or maybe a gold bar, maybe a diamond, something of great value that you could put here that would last for all of eternity? This parable is speaking to the person who finds the treasure that goes beyond this world. Where it says in God's word that the heavens and the earth will, will, will pass away but only Jesus will stand. Only God's word will stand. And so when you find this moment, this value in the treasure of Jesus Christ, you're finding the treasure that lasts beyond all eternity. It does not just fade away with death. It does not just fade away in disease. It does not fade away in time. It surpasses all of those things. And it says it is valuable for all of eternity to come. Now tell me this, on the edge of eternity with Jesus Christ as your partner and your friend and your savior, as Jesus Christ, as this treasure, is there anything you're gonna look back on and say, but man, I really wish I could take that with me? No, because you're gonna have your eyes fixated on Jesus. And when your eyes are fixated on Jesus, he becomes this treasure that surpasses all things. And really, when, it, when I talk about this cost of great value, it's interesting because the mindset changes in the midst of this transaction. As you take on Jesus, the cost that it took you to get there, all of a sudden becomes nothing, right? 
It's weird how that happens. It cost me everything to come to Jesus, but now I look at it as nothing because I have everything. It's just a transformation of our minds that takes place. That's why people can go in persecution around the world and proclaim Jesus Christ and say, take my life. It's of little value. This world has nothing that can hold me back because I have my eyes fixated on Jesus. That thing that I thought held so much weight, held so much value actually has nothing here. It's no value to me. My savior has value and you can't take it. He's mine. So when we think about this in growing God's way will cost you everything you have and it will still be worth it. It's because as this transformation happens in our minds, the cost goes from everything to nothing. Why? Because we've gained the treasure worth actual everything. This moment is the moment of admitting that not only is Jesus our all-powerful savior, but now he's our Lord and our leader, right? It's that moment that all of a sudden the drugs and the money and the sex and the power and the business, all that, those things start to fade to the background. Why? Because in this parable, there's something happening that's unique. Right? If we read it again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold 90% of everything that he had. Wait, did I read that wrong? It says he sold all that he had. He didn't hold kind of a secret sin in his back pocket for when he was lonely. He didn't hold that thing of like security blanket. Of, you know, well, I gotta keep some in the bank account, right? Like I gotta have some position in power. I've gotta be able to have something just in case. He said, I gave it all and I turned my back on it so that I could have the treasure that actually has value. It's just, we've been so long in a system that places value on the wrong thing that sometimes it's hard to see. We've been in a system that places so much value on the here and the now, and we've forgotten about the eternal. We've forgotten to lift our eyes to Jesus Christ and look at him as this treasure that's worth everything. So here's the thing. As we process through this, as we take ourselves as a little seed, as the little bit of yeast, and we plug ourselves into the source of life, which is Jesus Christ. All of a sudden we found this treasure that breathes life. And I couldn't help but think as I was in prayer before the service, I was in prayer before the service with a group of people and I was looking around the room at those praying and I started to see a couple of trees that were 14, 15, 16 feet tall. People that had lived a long life for Jesus, that had given their lives over to God and said, man, Jesus is my treasure. I've plugged myself in from a young child to him and I've waited for the growth year after year after year. I've pressed into who he's created me to be. I've obeyed his word and I'm just waiting for him to take me home. I'm waiting for that moment when I get to see Jesus, my treasure face to face. I think, man, they see the value 
of being plugged into their savior, to having a relationship that goes deeper than just the surface. They've pressed in to Jesus Christ. They've seen the type of growth that is costly and they've said, let me have it. I'm willing to pay the cost. This is the the thing that only Jesus can offer. No other religion will offer this. No other God will offer this. Only Jesus can offer this. And why? Because of Pentecost. It's very specifically because of Pentecost. On Pentecost, Jesus came and he said, I am going to give you my spirit. No other God in all of history is saying, I want to dwell in you. I want to be with you. I want to have relationships so close to you that we are breathing the same air. God says, I want that kind of relationship with you because I want to show you your purpose. I want to satisfy you like nothing else can. And so this morning at these tables, we have an opportunity to remember who that is. We have an opportunity to remember that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone has paid the penalty for my sin and for yours. So you're, if you're sitting here this morning, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it says that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And God's word tells us that when we come to these tables, it's not just for ritual, it's not just for religion, it's for communion with Christ. It's to be reminded that Jesus is our life. He actually tells us in Matthew 26, he says, whenever you eat of this bread, remember that this is my body that I broke for you. And whenever you drink of this cup, remember this was the blood that I spilled for you. I don't think the disciples in this moment actually understood the imagery of what Jesus was doing. He was doing this for us. Later on, after this was written down, after it, it kind of was revealed to them, he said, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna die on a cross for you. And I'm gonna pay for all the sins of the world. It's all gonna come on my back. And I want you to remember it. Why? Because it's gonna be really pivotal to the growth that takes place moving forward. You as disciples the 12 of you, you're gonna go out and you're gonna to start to preach this gospel, this truth that I paid for the penalty of all the sins of the world. And it's gonna transform people. Why? Because it's gonna be like a treasure. When you offer it up to them, it's gonna be like a treasure that people have never seen before. And they're gonna want it, they're gonna want it so badly that they're gonna they're gonna give everything for it. And this is gonna be the, the planting and the spread of the church. And so I want you to go to every tongue, every nation, and I want you to tell them about what I've done here. So when we come forward to communion, communion is this meaning we unify our hearts and our minds with Christ Jesus in an act of remembering what he did for us as he took the sins of the world on his own back and bore the weight of the world in the form of our sin. And so this morning, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to these tables freely. Come remember what Jesus has done for you. This morning, if you're a visitor here, maybe if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, I've got some really great news for you. 
there's a treasure waiting to be found. And it says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a uniqueness here that in an instant, you can have relationship with the treasure. You can find something of surpassing value in that treasure. And if you believe that in your heart, and if you wanna confess that to God, that, that you're a sinner in need of a savior, he says, I'm here for you. He wants to enter into your life. You can do that right here, right now. And you can come and engage at these tables in admittance that you're a sinner in need of a savior and Jesus wants to meet you here. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord God, we thank you. We thank you so much for being a loving father, for being the one who came and gave of his life on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But God, you did not stay in the grave. You rose again, beating sin and death and the grave, doing what only you could, paying the penalty for our sins, Lord. And so Father, this morning, as we come to you, as we come to you, Lord, would you remind us that you are the treasure. You alone are the treasure. Would you help us to see it? Would you open our eyes to the magnificent nature of who you are? Would you give a glimpse of your glory this morning as we worship you and as we remember what you've done for us on the cross? We ask this in your name, amen.